Book Two, Canto Six of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Six. Gion is of a modest mirth led into loose desire, fights with Chimocles while his brother burns in furious fire. A harder lesson to learn continence in joyous pleasure than in grievous pain. For sweetness doth allure the weaker sense so strongly that aneaths it can refrain from that which feeble nature covets vain. But grief and wrath, that be her enemies and foes of life, she better can restrain. Yet virtue vaunts in both her victories, and Gion in them all shows goodly maesteries. Whom bold Chimocles, travelling to find with cruel purpose, bent to wreak on him the wrath which Aten kindled in his mind, came to a river, by whose utmost brim waiting to pass, he saw whereas did swim along the shore as swift as glance of eye, a little gondolet bedecked trim with boughs and arbors woven cunningly, that like a little forest seemed outwardly and therein sate a lady fresh and fair making sweet solace to herself alone sometimes she sung as loud as lark in air sometimes she laughed that nigh her breath was gone yet there was not with her else any one that might to her move cause of merriment matter of mirth enough though there were none she could devise and thousand ways invent to feed her foolish humour and vain jolliment which when far off Chimocles heard and saw, he loudly called to such as were aboard the little bark unto the shore to draw, and him to ferry over that deep ford. The merry mariner unto his word soon hearkened, and her painted boat straightway turned to the shore, where that same warlike lord she in received. But Aten by no way she would admit, albeit the knight her much did pray eftsoons her shallow ship away did slide more swift than swallow shears the liquid sky without an oar or pilot it to guide or winged canvas with the wind to fly only she turned a pin and by and by it cut away upon the yielding wave ne carried she her course for to apply for it was taught the way which she would have and both from rocks and flats itself could wisely save and all the way the wanton damsel found new mirth her passenger to entertain for she in pleasant purpose did abound and greatly joyed merry tales to feign of which a storehouse did with her remain yet seemed nothing well they her became for all her words she drowned with laughter vain and wanted grace in uttering of the same that turned all her pleasance to a scoffing game and otherwhiles vain toys she would devise as her fantastic wit did most delight sometimes her head she fondly would aguise with gaudy girlands or fresh flowerets dight about her neck or rings of rushes plight sometimes to do him laugh she would essay to laugh at shaking of the levers light or to behold the water work and play about her little frigate therein making way her light behavior and loose dalliance gave wondrous great contentment to the knight that of his way he had no sovenance nor care of vowed revenge and cruel fight but to weak wench did yield his martial might so easy was to quench his flamed mind with one sweet drop of sensual delight so easy is to appease the stormy wind of malice in the calm of pleasant womankind 
Diverse discourses in their way they spent, Mongst which Chimocles of her questioned Both what she was and what that usage meant Which in her cot she daily practised. Vain man, said she, that wouldst be reckoned A stranger in thy home, and ignorant of Phaedria, For so my name is read, of Phaedria thine own fellow servant, For thou to serve Acrasia thyself dost vaunt, in this wide inland sea that hight by name the idle lake my wandering ship i row that knows her port and thither sails by aim ne care ne fear i how the wind do blow or whether swift i wend or whether slow both slow and swift alike to serve my turn ne swelling neptune aloud thundering jove can change my cheer or make me ever mourn my little boat can safely pass this perilous bourne Whilst thus she talked, and whilst thus she toyed, they were far past the passage which he spake, and come unto an island, waste and void, that floated in the midst of that great lake. There her small gondolet her port did make, and that gay pair issuing on the shore disburdened her. Their way they forward take into the land that lay them fair before, whose pleasant she him shewed, and plentiful great store it was a chosen plot of fertile land amongst wide waves set like a little nest as if it had by nature's cunning hand been choicely picked out from all the rest and laid forth for ensample of the best no dainty flower or herb that grows on ground no arboret with painted blossoms dressed and smelling sweet but there it might be found to bud out fair and her sweet smells throw all around no tree whose branches did not bravely spring, no branch whereon a fine bird did not sit, no bird but did her shrill notes sweetly sing, no song but did contain a lovely dit. Trees, branches, birds, and songs were framed fit for to allure frail mind to careless ease. Careless the man soon walks, and his weak wit was overcome of thing that did him please so pleased did his wrathful purpose fair appease thus when she had his eyes and senses fed with false delights and filled with pleasures vain into a shady dale she soft him led and laid him down upon a grassy plain and her sweet self without dread or disdain she set beside laying his head disarmed in her loose lap it softly to sustain where soon he slumbered fearing not be harmed the whiles with a lovely she thus him sweetly charmed behold o oh man that toilsome pains dost take the flowers the fields and all that pleasant grows how they themselves do thine ensample make whiles nothing envious nature them forth throws out of her fruitful lap how no man knows they spring they bud they blossom fresh and fair and deck the world with their rich pompous shows yet no man for them taketh pains or care yet no man to them can his careful pains compare the lily lady of the flowering field the flower de loose her lovely paramour bid thee to them thy fruitless labours yield and soon leave off this toilsome weary stour lo lo how brave she decks her bounteous bower with silken curtains and gold coverlets therein to shroud her sumptuous bella mower 
Yet neither spins, nor cards, nor cares, nor frets, But to her mother nature all her care she lets. Why then dost thou, O man, that of them all art lord, And eke of nature sovereign, Willfully make thyself a wretched thrall, And waste thy joyous hours in needless pain, Seeking for danger and adventures vain? What boots it all to have and nothing use? Who shall him rue that swimming in the main Will die for thirst, and water doth refuse? Refuse such fruitless toil, and present pleasures choose. By this she had him lulled fast asleep, That of no worldly thing he care did take. Then she with liquor strong his eyes did steep, That nothing should him hastily awake. So she him left, and did herself betake unto her boat again, with which she cleft the slothful wave of that great greasely lake. Soon she that island far behind her left, and now is come to that same place where first she weft. By this time was the worthy Guyan brought unto the other side of that wide strand where she was rowing, and for passage sought. Him needed not long call. She soon to hond her ferry brought, where him she biding fond with his sad guide. Himself she took aboard, but the black palmer suffered still to stand, ne would for price or prayers once afford to ferry that old man over the perilous ford. Guyan was loath to leave his guide behind, yet, being entered, might not back retire, for the flit bark, obeying to her mind, forth launched quickly as she did desire ne gave him leave to bid that aged sire adieu but nimbly ran her wonted course through the dull billows thick as troubled mire whom neither wind out of their seat could force nor timely tides did drive out of their sluggish source and by the way as was her wonted guise her merry fit she freshly gan to rear and did of joy and jollity devise herself to cherish and her guest to cheer the knight was courteous, and did not forbear her honest mirth and pleasance to partake, but when he saw her toy and jibe and jeer, and pass the bonds of modest merry-make, her dalliance he despised, and follies did forsake. Yet she still followed her former style, and said and did all that mote him delight, till they arrived in that pleasant isle, where sleeping late she left her other knight. But when as Guyan of that land had sight, he wist himself amiss, and angry said, Ah, dame, perdie, ye have not done me right, thus to mislead me, whiles I you obeyed, me little needed from my right way to have strayed. Fair sir, quoth she, be not displeased at all, who fares on sea may not command his way, ne wind and weather at his pleasure call, the sea is wide and easy for to stray, the wind unstable, and doth never stay. But here a while ye may in safety rest, Till seasons serve new passage to assay. Better safe port than be in seas distressed. Therewith she laughed, and did her earnest end in jest. But he, half discontent, Mote natheless himself appease, And issued forth on shore, the joys whereof and happy fruitfulness such as he saw she gan him lay before and all though pleasant yet she made much more 
the fields did laugh the flowers did freshly spring the trees did bud and early blossoms bore and all the choir of birds did sweetly sing and told that garden's pleasures in their caroling and she more sweet than any bird on bough would oftentimes amongst them bear a part and strive to pass as she could well enough their native music by her skilful art so did she all that might his constant heart withdraw from thought of warlike enterprise and drown in dissolute delights apart where noise of arms or view of martial guise might not revive desire of knightly exercise but he was wise and wary of her will and ever held his hand upon his heart yet would not seem so rude and threw it ill as to despise so courteous seeming part that gentle lady did to him impart but fairly tempering fond desire subdued and ever her desired to depart she list not here but her disports pursued and ever bade him stay till time the tide renewed and now by this chimocles hour was spent that he awoke out of his idle dream and shaking off his drowsy dreariment gan him advise how ill did him beseem in slothful sleep his molten heart to steam and quench the brand of his conceived ire lo up he started stirred with shame extreme nestayed for his damsel to inquire but marched to the strand their passage to require and in the way he with sir guyan met accompanied with phadria the fair eftsoons he gan to rage and inly fret crying let be that lady debonair thou recreant knight and soon thyself prepare to battle if thou mean her love to gain lo lo already how the fowls in air do flock awaiting shortly to obtain thy carcass for their prey the guerdon of thy pain and therewithal he fiercely at him flew and with importune outrage him assailed who soon prepared to field his sword forth drew and him with equal value countervailed their mighty strokes their habergeons dismailed and naked made each other's manly spalls the mortal steel dispiteously entailed deep in their flesh quite through the iron walls that a large purple stream adown their jambos falls Chimocles, that had never met before so puissant foe, with envious despite his proud presumed force increased more, disdaining to be held so long in fight. Sir Guyan, grudging not so much his might as those unknightly railings which he spoke, with wrathful fire his courage kindled bright, thereof devising shortly to be roke, and doubling all his powers redoubled every stroke both of them high at once their hands enhanced and both at once their huge blows down did sway chimocles sword on guyan's shield he glanced and thereof nigh one quarter sheared away but guyan's angry blade so fierce did play on the other's helmet which as titan shone that quite it clove his plumed crest in tway and buried all his head unto the bone wherewith astonished still he stood as senseless stone still as he stood fair phadria that beheld that deadly danger soon atween them ran and at their feet herself most humbly fell crying with piteous voice and countenance wan ah oh, well away most noble lords how can your cruel eyes endure so piteous sight to shed your lives on ground 
Woe worth the man that first did teach the cursed steel to bite in his own flesh, and make way to the living sprite. If ever love of lady did empierce your iron breasts, or pity could find place, withhold your bloody hands from battle fierce, and sith for me fight. To me this grace both yield to stay your deadly strife a space. They stayed a while, and forth she gan proceed most wretched woman and of wicked race that am the author of this heinous deed and cause of death between two doughty knights do breed but if for me ye fight or me will starve not this rude kind of battle nor these arms are meet the which do men in bale to starve and doleful sorrow heap with deadly harms such cruel game my scarmoges disarms another war and other weapons i do love where love does give his sweet alarms without bloodshed and where the enemy does yield unto his foe a pleasant victory debateful strife and cruel enmity the famous name of knighthood foulish end but lovely peace and gentle amity and in amours the passing hours to spend the mighty martial hands do most commend of love they ever greater glory bore than of their arms mars is cupido's friend and is for venus loves renowned more than all his wars and spoils the which he did of yore therewith she sweetly smiled they though full bent to prove extremities of bloody fight yet at her speech their rages gan relent and calm the sea of their tempestuous spite such power have pleasing words such is the might of courteous clemency and gentle heart now after all was ceased the fairy knight besought that damsel suffer him depart and yield him ready passage to that other part she no less glad than he desirous was of his departure thence for of her joy and vain delight she saw he light did pass a foe of folly and immodest toy still solemn sad or still disdainful coy delighting all in arms and cruel war that her sweet peace and pleasures did annoy troubled with terror and unquiet jar that she well pleased was thence to amove him far though him she brought aboard and her swift boat forthwith directed to that further strand the which on the dull waves did lightly float and soon arrived on the shallow sand where gladsome guyon sallied forth to land and to that damsel thanks gave for reward upon that shore he spied aton's stand there by his master left when late he fared in phadria's flit bark over that perilous shard well could he him remember sith of late he with pyrocles sharp debatement made straight gan he him revile and bitter rate as shepherd's cur that in dark evening's shade hath tracted forth some savage beast's trade vile miscreant said he whether dost thou fly the shame and death which will thee soon invade what coward hand shall do thee next to die that art thus foully fled from famous enemy with that he stiffly shook his steel-head dart but sober guyon hearing him so rail though somewhat moved in his mighty heart yet with strong reason maistered passion frail and passed fairly forth 
he turning tail back to the strand retired and there still stayed awaiting passage which him late did fail the whiles chimocles with that wanton maid the hasty heat of his avowed revenge delayed whilst there the varlet stood he saw from far an armed knight that towards him fast ran he ran on foot as if in luckless war his forlorn steed from him the victor wan he seemed breathless heartless faint and wan and all his armor sprinkled was with blood and soiled with dirty gore that no man can discern the hue thereof he never stood but bent his hasty course towards the idle flood the varlet saw when to the blood he came how without stop or stay he fiercely leapt and deep himself beducked in the same that in the lake his lofty crest was stepped nay of his safety seemed care he kept but with his raging arms he rudely flashed the waves about and all his armor swept that all the blood and filth away was washed yet still he bet the water and the billows dashed ate and drew nigh to weet what it might be for much he wondered at that uncouth sight whom should he but his own dear lord there see his own dear lord pyrocles in sad plight ready to drown himself for fell despite harrow now out and well away he cried what dismal day hath lent this cursed light to see my lord so deadly damnified pyrocles oh pyrocles what is thee betide i burn i burn i burn then loud he cried oh how i burn with implacable fire yet not can quench mine inly flaming side nor sea of liquor cold nor lake of mire nothing but death can do me to respire ah be it said he from pyrocles far after pursuing death once to require or think that aught those puissant hands may mar death is for wretches born under unhappy star pardie then is it fit for me said he that am i ween most wretched man alive burning in flames yet no flames can i see and dying daily daily yet revive oh aten help to me last death to give the varlet at his plaint was grieved so sore that his deep wounded heart in two did rive and his own health remembering now no more did follow that example which he blamed before into the lake he leapt his lord to aid so love the dread of danger doth despise and of him catching hold him strongly stayed from drowning but more happy he than wise of that sea's nature did not him advise the waves thereof so slow and sluggish were engrossed with mud which did them foul agrise that every weighty thing they did upbear nay aught mote ever sink down to the bottom there whiles thus they struggled in that idle wave and strove in vain the one himself to drown the other both from drowning for to save lo to that shore one in an ancient gown whose hoary locks great gravity did crown holding in hand a goodly arming sword by fortune came led with the troublous sound where drenched deep he found in that dull ford the careful servant striving with his raging lord 
Him Aten spying knew right well of yore, And loudly called, Help, help, O Archimage, To save my lord in wretched plight for lore. Help with thy hand, or with thy counsel sage, Weak hands, but counsel is most strong in age. Him when the old man saw, he wondered sore To see Pyrocles there so rudely rage. Yet Scythian's help he saw he needed more than pity. He in haste approached to the shore, and called, Pyrocles, what is this I see? What hellish fury hath at erst thee hent? Furious ever I thee knew to be, Yet never in this strange astonishment. These flames, these flames, he cried, do me torment. What flames, quoth he, when I thee present see in danger Rather to be drent than brent? Harrow the flames which me consume, said he, Ne can be quenched, within my secret bowels be. That cursed man, that cruel fiend of hell, Furor, oh, furor, hath me thus bedight. His deadly wounds within my liver swell, And his hot fire burns in mine entrails bright. Kindled through his infernal brand of spite, Sith late with him I battle vain would boast, That now I ween Jove's dreaded thunder-light Does scorch not half so sore, Nor damned ghost in flaming phlegaton Does not so fellly roast. Which when as Archimago heard, His grief he knew right well, And him at once disarmed. Then searched his secret wounds, and made a prief of every place that was with bruising harmed, or with the hidden fire too inly warmed, which done he balms and herbs thereto applied, and evermore with mighty spells them charmed, that in short space he has them qualified, and him restored to health that would of all gates died. End of Book Two, Canto Six. Recording by Thomas Copeland.